I hope you have a Bible with you and you can not throw it on the floor. Uh, and you can turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be looking in there this morning. The last couple of Sunday mornings we've looked in Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 and Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. And, and uh, we, we've been looking at a, a mini-series within our study through 1 Corinthians a mini-series on spiritual gifts. And the main reason we've been focusing so much on spiritual gifts is it, it is important for us to understand its significant biblical truth, but there's so much error in our culture about spiritual gifts that we wanted to uh, correct and address some of that. So the previous two Sunday mornings are on our church Facebook page. Uh, you can watch the video and get the notes and and read through that. And then uh, last Sunday night, we had a discussion uh, time in here. That's not available. And tonight, we'll be finishing this series. We're going to look at two truths and seven questions tonight. And uh, But this morning, we're going to have a couple of charts up on the screen. And uh, don't, don't click on them yet, please. But the charts are going to show, you know, what we believe are the continuing spiritual gifts that we still deal with today, because some of them were temporary. The Bible says they were planned to be temporary. They were during the foundation of the church, and when the scriptures were completed, those gifts were then set aside. And so the, the gifts that are continuing, and we have a list of those, and they'll be up on the screen today, and there were, so we're going to have the list, and then we're going to describe it a little bit of how it might work, and then later we're going to have the list, and we're going to talk about how you might be able to tell if, if you have that gift or not. Um, and so I know some of you really like to make notes. You already have your pads out. You're going to be scribbling feverishly. So I made copies. And they're not going to be available this morning. They'll be available tonight or next Sunday morning. Because on the back side is the two truths and seven questions. So uh, if you come tonight, you get the first copies. If you come next week, you'll still get it. And, it, and th this is just information to help you. This is not inspired this is, okay? We need to keep that straight. The scripture is the inspired word of God, and, and these are just some thoughts that I thought would be helpful to you as you seek to serve God. We're all supposed to be serving him. And you know, some people serve in areas where they just love and they're fulfilled, and that's the goal, is to be in the right place in the right setting and serve God together. So... Um, before we get into his word, uh, we remember that the scripture is uh, alive. It, it, it stirs our hearts. It convicts our hearts. So before we open God's word this morning and read from the scripture, I want you to just take a minute and I want you to quietly think and I want you to quietly pray and ask God to speak in your heart. Ask him two things. One, help you to understand his word today, and two, help you see how he wants you to serve him. Heavenly Father, we come before you a needy people, 
a people who need your wisdom, your guidance, your understanding, your encouragement, your strength, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your amazing love that you provide so much for us. We're so grateful for who you are and what you have done, are doing, and will do on our behalf. Thank you that we have the blessed hope of being with you in heaven someday. And thank you that we have the opportunity of representing you and serving you on planet Earth. What a, a privilege that you have given to us. And I pray that this morning, this evening, that we would uh, look in your word and see your truth and that we would be encouraged that we can follow and serve you and you can bless and enrich our lives in ways that we can't even imagine because you are an awesome God, and we get to walk with you, and you walk with us. So speak to our hearts this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a little background. Spiritual gifts are for believers. Non-believers, there's a term the Bible uses to call non-believers. It's called spiritually, what's that blank? Spiritually dead. Are they still breathing, walking, talking? Yes. But their spirit is dead before they receive Christ as Savior. Now, a little bit ago, we received Richard and Sue into the family. Yay! And, and so Sue received Christ at 20, and Richard received Christ at 6. So when those two started dating, she was dead and he wasn't. Did you feel dead, Sue? You don't. You don't feel dead until the Holy Spirit draws you in uh, toward salvation, and then, then you realize you're dead, and you need help, and you need life. And then once you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you, then you realize, I was dead. But you don't feel dead until you feel the conviction that God brings as he draws you unto himself. And so we're, we're alive in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and we can love and serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are not limited by your abilities. You are not limited by your skill. You are not limited by your knowledge because you walk with an infinite God who has all knowledge and all skill and all ability, and he empowers you to do great things for him. I know it's hard for you to imagine, but I was a shy, quiet kid, and the Lord changed me and called me to speak his truth. And now there's nothing that brings more joy than sharing God's truth. One-on-one, -on -one, in small groups, in church, in conferences, I love sharing God's word. It's a great joy in my life. But if you'd told me when I was a kid that that's what God had planned for my life, I would have been scared to death. I got in trouble for not speaking up in class. I know some of you are thinking, I never knew him then. Well, Probably the only person here who knew that part of me was Kathy, because Jim and Cloyce knew me at that age, but they didn't realize uh, that I was ever quiet, because <laughs> they met me more after I was saved. All right, so here's the first big thing that we're going to look at this morning. I hope you're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read some verses together in just a moment. But first, you are called into relationship with the Lord and with each other. You are called into relationship with the Lord and with each other. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. Isn't that an interesting way he phrases it? 
He is captivated by the Lord. He does what the Lord wants. He follows the Lord. He's a prisoner, a slave, a servant of Christ. A prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. You were called into that relationship. And then he says, with all lowliness and gentleness. So do you have some relationships? How many of you have a relationship with at least one other person? Raise your hand. Everybody should have had their hand up. He says, here's how he wants you to treat other people. Now, this includes people who very, very strongly disagree with you. People who very strongly disagree with you spiritually or politically or practically. Look what he says. With all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, the unity of the Spirit, that's a spiritual thing. That's for believers. And he's not saying, okay, you be really nice to believers, but to those other people, you don't have to show any kindness to them. There are other passages of Scripture that deal with that and our need to show God's love and then share his truth. And if we don't show his love first, we're not ministering the way Jesus did or the way Jesus has called us to. We're called into relationship with the Lord and with each other. Uh, God doesn't say, I want you to get saved and then, oh, later on I want you in heaven, but in between you're on your own. He calls you to salvation, now he wants you to grow in ministry and connection with other people and then eventually live with him in heaven. You're called into that relationship. Secondly, we are gifted to minister together by God's grace. To minister together by God's grace. Now, I mentioned that the video I did of the Navarros and Megan did the... Uh, the words on there made it a lot easier to understand. Uh, sometimes, because I am hard of hearing, I have a hard time understanding Octavio when he speaks because he sometimes goes really fast and it, he mixes and puts um, Spanish um, pronouns and stuff in the middle of English words. And uh, it, so it's harder for me to catch on. So Megan put those words up there to, to make it easier for us all to track. Um, you know, I'm not very good at that sort of thing. And, uh, but, but we have people in the church that can. Uh, Clarinda and Hunter have made some hilarious videos for our Awana. Maybe Tim was involved too. I don't know. But uh, the end of the Awana year, they have a, a video and, and they're great. Uh, and we have differing abilities, but, but we serve together. And you cannot separate spiritual gifts from the togetherness. Last week we looked at the body and the love and spiritual gifts. In every passage where spiritual gifts are mentioned, the body of believers is also mentioned and serving together in love is also mentioned. He wants us to connect in this way. So look in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So what does that mean? When he says to each one of us, what does he mean? Every person on the planet, what does he mean? 
each believer. Now, last week we talked about, you know, Dawson got saved when he was four. People get saved at different ages. Richard got saved when he was six. Sue got saved when she was 20. I got saved when I was 16. Kathy got saved before she was four. Uh, Many of you got saved at five or six or 40. Uh, We get saved at different times, but when we're saved, then we receive a spiritual gift. Now, when you're a young kid and you get saved, you're not going to recognize that spiritual gift right away. You're going to have to grow and mature. and, And for me, it was years after I got saved before God called me to be a pastor. I could not have even after he called me to be a pastor, there was still a lot of years of training and, and preparation before I became a pastor. And I served in a couple of different churches on the staff before I became a pastor. But, but we're gifted to minister together. So he talks about the individual gift to each one of us. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each of us have a gift that we then need to put together. Now jump down to verse 12. Um, Then he says, for the equipping of the saints, in in verse 11 he talks about the position gifts of apostles and prophets, uh, those have both ceased. John was the last living apostle. The prophets stopped ministering and sharing God's word when the word of God was completed. And then pastors and or evangelists and pastors and teachers. So, so the, God's still working, and in the church today, we have evangelists and pastors. We don't have prophets and apostles. But the reason why these gifts were given, the reason why each one of us was gi- a grace gift was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, he says, here's the end result, the goal, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, that's the building up, the strengthening of the saints. How many of you have ever been through physical therapy? How many of you enjoyed physical therapy? How many of you enjoyed the end result of physical therapy? And and there's a building up. And one of the things they tell you, if you're going into physical therapy and it's not right after surgery, they tell you we got to break you down to then build you back up. If you've already had surgery, you've been broken down already. Uh, but that, that's how they, and there's the building up. There's the spiritual building up of the body as we labor for Christ. Then he says, here's the end result or the end goal, verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, not spotlessly, sinlessly perfect, but a complete person, a person who's wholly following God and wholly connected to the Lord, to, a, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, you know, I remember I was here in this church before Tim and Missy were dating. And then they started dating. And then I had the wonderful privilege of being able to be involved in their wedding ceremony. And and that was a blessing. And then God has blessed them with several kids. And now Todd's uh, passed up Missy a long time back. And, and he's getting real close to passing up dad. And and his, his physical stature is growing. It, but But that's not what this talks about. See, the, the, the goal is not be tall like Todd. The goal is be spiritual like Jesus. 
the, the, the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you know what? You are a complete human being if you're four foot six. And you're a complete human being if you're eight foot six. And either way, it's hard to find clothes and cars. But if you're in the middle of those two, then, then it's easier. But, but you're a complete person. And God evaluates you not by how tall you are, how heavy you are, how thin you are, how attractive you are. God evaluates you on the basis of how spiritual you are. Are you reflecting Jesus Christ? And, and that's the goal of spiritual gifts is we're all working together. We're ministering together. We're laboring together to bring glory to Christ. And then he adds in verse 14 that we should be no longer children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There, that's going on today, by the way. There's more false teaching in the world today based in Largely because the internet. There's more false teaching out there. It's easier to access it. If you Google uh, a Bible question, it's going to come up with one or two that are true biblical answers and at least a dozen that are not. They're going to pop up on the screen. And if you don't have discernment, you're not going to know the difference. You have to learn and grow. There's a lot of good teaching out there. In fact, this, this message is on the internet which hopefully it'll be pretty good. We'll find out, won't we? Uh, so uh, that, that we would be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, those who seek to distort and change God's word. See, you can tell kids things and they would believe it. In fact, if you were really warped, you could teach your kids that that is up and that is down. That's the right thing, that that is up and that is down. See, you guys taught your kids the wrong thing. No, You're warped people. I told you last Sunday, that's my fear is that I'm, I say the wrong thing so often. I listen to some of my messages and I'm like, oh, I, I uh, anyway. But, but you could tell, you could tell a kid. You could tell them that, that, that that's west and that that's south and that that's north. And, you know, you, you could just get it all mixed up. And sometimes some people think kids have more understanding than grown-ups because kids have purer souls, more pure souls, and they haven't been corrupted by the world as much as the adults. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that that sweet little baby is born with a sinful nature. And if you've ever worked in a church nursery, you know that's true. So then he adds in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Not just speaking the truth, but in love. Don't just beat people up with gospel truth. Speak the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are gifted to minister together 
by God's grace. And by God's design, everyone is deficient. Everybody needs somebody. In fact, a group of somebodies. In fact, you could turn to the person next to you right now and you could tell them, you need help. The Bible says so. <laughs> you need help. The Bible says so. And so God has planned that we have this group of people that help and serve together to minister to each other, to help each other. And so these are the gifts. Go ahead and bring up that list of gifts. These are the gifts that we believe are the continuing spiritual gifts. I'm not going to go all into why. We've dealt with that the last two Sunday mornings. These are the gifts that we believe God is still working and calling and laboring and, and gifting us to serve in these ways. Evangelizing, and here's the description, sharing the gospel and drawing people toward Christ. Exhorting, spiritually encouraging people, not just being a cheerleader, but encouraging people, not just saying happy thoughts, but really blessing people with cards and notes and calls and prayers, uh, having faith. This is trusting and believing, seeing the unseen. So how is, I mean, we all are supposed to have faith, right? We are saved by grace through faith. So we all come to salvation by faith. But some people really have the gift. Uh, they can believe and they can trust and, and they don't have as much anxiety. And, you know, my friend, uh, our friend, Pete Rice, an evangelist that we support, Pete is a guy who has the gift of faith. Pete just believes. He, he feels called to do something and he just announces that he's going to do it. And it might take $15,000 for him to go and do that ministry. And he just announces he's going to do it. And he makes plans. And the Lord provides. And it happens. I had a friend in the Marine Corps. It drove me crazy. We had to walk to catch the bus. Because the bus didn't run on base on Sunday mornings that early. So we actually had to walk about seven miles to catch the bus to get, to get us close to church. So... We'd walk there, catch the bus, and the bus would, we'd have to do two transfers, and the second transfer would get us within about six miles of the church, and so we'd walk seven and walk six, and so we did a half marathon every Sunday, uh, a whole marathon by the time we got home. Uh, but but we, just, we just went, and we, so we're on our way to church, and we're running a little late, because he was a little slow, and I kept telling him, you know, we got to get moving, we're going to miss the bus, there's a schedule, he says... You just got to have faith, Terry. You just got to relax. We're on God's schedule. We're on the right time. And, and I, eventually I just left him and I ran ahead. And I got there and the bus should have been there and the bus didn't come. And the bus was really late. And as the bus came down the street, there he came. I was so mad. I wanted him to miss the bus. But, you know, he just had this sense. Now, I don't know what's happened in his life. I haven't seen him for a long time. The last time I saw him was 1981. Haven't seen him since. Uh, but, but he just believed, and he knew it was going to work out. Some people just have great faith. And so 
than giving, giving tithes and offerings to the church and alms to those in need. Some people are, are just generous givers. They, they have that gift. And quite often, if you have the gift of giving, you also have the gift of earning money. And so those people can become wealthy. Kathy and I had a friend in Texas. Uh, he and his wife were worth three quarters of a billion dollars, uh, about $775 million. One of the most generous men helping the cause of Christ greatly. Leading. Uh, sometimes called ruling or governments in, in different translations, leading people to follow priorities and work toward mutual goals. It's not just, I'm in charge. In fact, the person who has to keep reminding you that they're in charge, they probably don't have the gift of leading. Uh, but they, they, if you have that gift, you're going to lead people and you're going to follow priorities and, and you're going to be focused and work toward uh, mutual goals. All right, ministering, serving, helping, caring for other people. Uh, this is, again, some people just, just have this gift, some love caring for people and nurturing people and they'd be uncomfortable having to lead. Pastoring. Shepherding people toward God and communicating God's grace and truth. Now, there is a, the spiritual gift, as we just read in Ephesians 4, of being called to be an evangelist or being called to be a pastor. Uh, but, but everybody can evangelize and everybody can shepherd and help people. Uh, but there is a, it's a calling to that position role uh, that God leads some men into that ministry. Uh, showing mercy. Showing God's love by ministering to those in need who are hurting or suffering. Speaking, sharing God's truth. And we're sharing it by uh, encouraging believers to grow in the Lord, encouraging non-believers toward the Lord. Uh, we're speaking God's truth and sharing it. And then the gift of teaching, telling others what you have learned with other uh, you're, you're going to tell them what you've learned and then help them on their journey of faith, help them learn the lessons that you have learned. And so uh, some of you were in the uh, Bible classes this morning. We have them from uh, preschool age all the way up through adults. And, and in that Bible class, you were challenged and you were taught and you were instructed. And, and now you can go share with somebody else something you've learned. Um, I was sharing... Yesterday, uh, we were up in Flagstaff for uh, granddaughter's birthday, and, and uh, some other friends had come over. Uh, some of our kids' friends had come over, and they were there with their kids. And I think there were a dozen kids there, weren't there? And half a dozen of adults, and 14 kids, and, and uh, seven adults. And, and we, we just had a blast. It was, it was a fun time. But I shared something that I learned from Scripture that, that we, we learn and we just share and it's a natural thing. So you're teaching other people. So you do not have to be called to be a pastor in order to try and help and shepherd people toward the Lord. But you should be called to be a pastor before you actually serve as a pastor. You don't have to be called to be an evangelist to share the gospel with people. But you shouldn't have the ministry of being an evangelist unless God calls you into that position. All right, so this is like almost a cool magic trick. Ready? We're going to push the list aside, and we're going to just focus on these things. Had a little fun with the PowerPoint this week. All right, 
Tell me something on that list you can't do. Did somebody say something? No, you can, it's not on that list. On that list, it just says shepherding people toward God. I pushed it off the list. So it's, on, it's what's on the screen now. Is that better? Okay, sorry about that. It worked for me. I should have had Megan double check it. All right, so everything on there. Sharing the gospel, can you do that? Spiritually encouraging people, can you do that? Trusting and believing, can you do that? Giving to the church and to help those in need. Leading people to follow priorities. Serving, helping, caring. Shepherding people toward God. Showing God's love to those in need. Sharing God's truth. Telling others what you have learned. We can do that. We can do those things. You don't have to be special to serve God. You serve a special God. He takes your labors and does great things with it. And so uh, there is nothing on this list that you are not qualified to do. On this list that's up there right now, nothing. And there's nothing on that list for which you are exempt. See, we have an offering box in the back. We used to pass the offerings, and then we stopped doing that. We were already talking about stopping that, and then the pandemic came, and it's like, yep, it's over. And, and so we have that offering box in the back. Hopefully you use that. If you don't use that, hopefully you give online, uh, because the church does have needs, but more importantly, you need to be faithful to the Lord, and He's called you to do this. So we give you that opportunity. So... If, if you walk past that offering plate or offering box all the time and you never give online, you can't say, well, well, you know, I, I would give, but I just don't have the gift of giving. Well, that's not an excuse. You have the command to give. You can't say, well, you know, I know I should be nice and show a little mercy, but I just don't have that gift, so smack. You, you can't do that. You'd get arrested for it, you know? You, you can't say, I don't have the gift of evangelizing, so I don't have any responsibility to share the gospel. Well, that's not true. You can't say, well, I don't have to serve because I have the gift of leading. So I don't have to be the little people, I get to be the big person. No. It's not okay for you to worry and fret because you don't feel like you have the gift of faith. That's not okay. And, and uh, you don't have to be a teacher or feel the gift of teaching in order to share what you have learned to help other people. We have responsibility to serve God. And some people have gifts that we don't have. But God expects each of us to do each of these things. Evangelizing, exhorting, 
leading, ministering, pastoring, having faith, giving, showing mercy, speaking, telling others. God expects every believer to do each of these. But those who have the spiritual gift will be able to do it more easily, more effectively, and with greater joy. How many of you have ever had to teach a class and you just really were very uncomfortable the whole time and afterward? Anybody experience that? Yeah. Some people just, just don't have that. Uh, that. God hasn't called them to do that. Uh, some of you, you, you start out, it's really uncomfortable, but you learn and you grow. And then after a while, you realize, hey, this is what God wants me to do in my life. In fact, uh, there, preachers talk to each other about what it was like for your first sermon, you know. And so many of them said they were scared to death when they did their first sermon. They got up there and they preached and they they just gave it everything they had, all their notes, everything, and they were done in five to seven minutes. When my brother was installed as a commander in the Air Force in an Air Force squadron at Dias Air Force Base near Abilene, uh, he was, we were living in Fort Worth at the time, and he asked if I would come over and do the invocation and benediction at his command ceremony. And I said, sure, he, you know, I'd be honored to. And so I showed up there, and his boss was there. Uh, he was a lieutenant colonel. She was a full bird colonel. And if you ever wonder why they call them full bird colonels, it's because it's a silver eagle that's on their um, pen. And, and that so if, if you're a... a Lieutenant Colonel, you have a silver flower. No, it's, what is it? Oak leaf. oak leaf, silver oak leaf. If you're a major, it's a, it's a bronze oak leaf or something. And then you get the silver oak leaf, and then you get the, the full bird colonel. And so she was talking with me, and uh, she was excited to talk to me because she found out that I was a pastor. And, and she was sharing that in their church, they did a spiritual gifts inventory thing to, to help people get, get some idea. And, and, and she said, and, and so I just did that. And, and so I got the results back. And I said, well, you know, just, just looking at you, I can tell you what was your highest score and what was your lowest score. She said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, your highest score was leading and your lowest score was showing mercy. And she said, that's exactly right. Are, are you like a pastor? You're giving insight into people's souls? I said, no, you're wearing the full bird. You don't get the full bird in the, in the Air Force for showing mercy. You get that for leading. And so for a second there, she was really impressed with my spirituality. <laughs> sure faked her out. But and then I told her the truth. See, when, when she could naturally lead. Now, if you needed somebody to go on hospital visitation, that would be a hard stretch for her. But guess what? She had just as much responsibility to show mercy as anybody else. It just wasn't as easy or as effective or bring as much joy to her. But leading did because that's how God had gifted her. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to believers in order to serve in the church and in the world. 
Now we're going to adjust that by adding two words in the middle there. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to believers in order to serve more effectively in the church and in the world. See, you can do all those things on that list. You can do all those descriptions. You can do every single one. But when you have the spiritual gift, then it allows you to serve more easily, more effectively, more joyfully. So how can you know whether or not you have a spiritual gift? Tonight, we'll be looking at seven questions you can ask to help you discern what might be your spiritual gift, help you learn it, understand it. Uh, But this morning, let me just give you a brief description for each, okay? First, for evangelizing, you would easily and joyfully share the gospel. You don't have to be a man like Pete or Taru called in to be an evangelist, but you could have the gift of evangelizing people and, and enjoy sharing the gospel. Some of you, hopefully you share the gospel anyway, but some of you are terrified to share the gospel. I remember the first time I went on door-to-door visitation, I'd go and I'd knock on the door. I guess nobody's home. And so my pastor paired me with a visitation partner who'd knock on the door. And we always found somebody home. It was amazing. But it might be easy and joyful for you. Right? Uh, Exhorting. If you're good at encouraging people. I I think some of our children's ministry workers really have this gift. Because they encourage the kids and they help the kids and... And you see them out doing games and, and encouraging them and helping them. And, and, you know, you make a difference in people's lives. We live in a harsh world. We all need to be encouraged. So God has gifted some people who do it really well. Um, having faith, you believe and trust without doubts and anxiety. You can just trust the Lord, believe the Lord, follow Him. Giving, you you give to the church and others, and it's a great joy and blessing as you give to the church and to people in need. It's fun. Now, I've always loved writing out my tie check. I've always had fun with that. When I was a business manager, and Kathy and I made a lot more money, we loved sharing and helping people in need. It was, it was great fun. We still enjoy doing that. We're just not as able to do it as much, uh, but... Giving is a great joy when you know the Lord, even if you don't have the gift of giving. But if you have that gift, then it's really amazingly joyful. Uh, Leading. You readily accept responsibility and you make decisions more easily than others do. I, I remember when I was a business manager, I was always amazed at how people couldn't make decisions. Even when I was a chaplain, we had an issue come up and the major who was in charge of the whole chaplaincy program, and and I had stepped down from serving as a chaplain, uh, long story there, but but I was no longer serving as a chaplain when somebody called me and said, hey, one of your chaplains had this happen and they need to be removed as a chaplain. So I called the major in charge and he's a major in the Dallas, Department of Public Safety, you know, there, there's lieutenant colonel and colonel. That's the only ranks above him. He was up one of the top guys. And he said, well, what do I do? How, how do we handle that? And so I told him what to do. And he said, 
oh, I don't know if I can do that. I said, you have to do that. And, and then he did. And then he called me back and he said, it worked. I don't know how he got to be a major with no leadership skills, but he did. But some people, they enjoy making decisions. In fact, I was talking with Benjamin and Meredith once. They asked me, what did I miss the most about business? And I said, being able to make decisions. Because here as a church, I can recommend something to the leadership team, and then they have to think about it, and, 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 and then we have to recommend it to the church. But I can't just say, this is where we're going. I know there's pastors that do that, but I don't think that's a biblical method of pastoral ministry. The congregation is supposed to be involved in a lot of things. And so there's a lot of decisions that, as a business manager, I could just go, boom, we're done. Where as a pastor, I have to involve other people and evaluate, especially if a lot of money's involved. As a business manager, I can make lots of big financial decisions, and, and it, I enjoyed that. It was fun. Just go, 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 go. We were fast. Uh, ministering. You'd rather be a helper than a leader. A lot of people like this. And it's not a deficiency. If they don't want to be up in front of people, that's not bad. I mean, take a look at the ratio here. There's a lot more people out there and online than there are up here. Now, earlier we had, you know, five people up here. But still, the ratio. We need people who minister, who care and show concern. And uh, we were talking recently, Evelyn was sharing about her husband, Cecil, being one of the most humble people she and I have ever known. And uh, he loved to serve and minister. He knew the Bible. He could have taught a class. He, he did help her in the Sunday school class, but he knew a lot of God's work, but he didn't want to get up in front of people. He wanted to be behind the scenes, helping and ministering. And, and our church was blessed because of how he ministered and cared. And so it's, it's fine. You do what God has shared and gifted you to do. And, you know, if I tried to act like Cecil and he tried to act like me, we both would have been miserable and we would have hurt the church. Pastoring, you love and care with a pastor's heart. Again, some men are called into pastoral ministry, but everybody can shepherd other people. Showing mercy. Hurting people feel better when they're around you. You know, Gary and Alice used to do a lot of hospital visitation for us. And I'd go and visit people and they'd tell me, oh, Gary and Alice were such a blessing. They made them feel so much better. Uh, and Gary, to hold their hand and pray with them. Now you're not even allowed in the hospital. Uh, but, but he'd hold their hand and he'd pray with them. It made people feel better. Uh, you know, if somebody's really hurting... They want somebody who shows mercy. They don't want the guy with the gift of leadership to show up and tell them everything they did wrong. They want somebody to come along and help them feel better. Right? Speaking, you love to share God's truth. Maybe in one-on-one -on -one conversations, maybe in groups. You love to share God's truth. You, you're called into some type of speaking ministry and teaching. You enjoy telling others what you have learned. You, you want to share and encourage. And I, this is not talking about people who are braggadocious. 
They want you to know that they know so much more than you know, so they can impart some of their wisdom to you little peoples. That's not the gift of teaching. That's the gift of arrogance, and it's not a spiritual gift at all. So spiritual gifts were given by the Holy Spirit to believers in order to help them serve more effectively in the church and in the world. A friend once told me he had turned his life around and now he's just trying to find his purpose. Capital P-U-R-P-O-S-E. Purpose. And I told him, you know, there's lots of stuff in the Bible. Just start doing that. No, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to know his big purpose, like God was going to speak from heaven and say, this is what you must do. Just start serving. We'll get into that more tonight. But, but I told him, if God has something specific in mind, you just start serving, and then God will eventually let that be known. Actually, that's how I felt called to preach. I started serving, got more involved in serving, serving in the church, occasionally teaching a class, helping. I was a substitute for two different classes. And then God called me to preach. God let me know that he wanted me to do more of what I had just been doing a little bit of. So uh, spiritual gifts are not great mysteries. Ooh, what's your gift? I hope you don't come in next Sunday and start, you know, wearing a banner, this is my gift. (laughs) You just serve. It's not a mystery. It's the equipping of Christ for the edifying and building up of his church. So start serving, and the Holy Spirit will guide you in the right direction. And uh, tonight, we're going to look at some questions that you can ask that will help you be guided toward the right understanding of maybe finding out what your spiritual gift might be. Now, spiritual gifts are only for believers. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not only do not have a spiritual gift, you are spiritually dead until you receive Christ as your Savior. Ask Him to forgive your sins and save your soul. The cool thing is, everybody who does that, He will save them. Because that's who He is, the Savior. And the Bible says, He will turn away no one who comes to Him. He will welcome them, receive them, make them part of His family forever. And then we get the opportunity to serve Him, like uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, that by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. You get saved, you receive Him as your Savior, your sins are forgiven, and now you're called to serve and minister in His name.